Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. you beautiful and radiant souls. Welcome back to Wishing You Wellness. It is so good to see your beautiful faces. My name is Allison Toth and I am the host of the podcast as well as the CEO and founder of XOXO Allison Coaching. I am saying it like that all dramatically and spread out because I am officially an LLC, you guys. And if you would have asked me last year what an LLC was, I would have been like, um, is that like... Is that like a test or is that like an STD? <laughs> I would have literally like, yeah, which is scary because I have started businesses in the past as a sole proprietorship and just like not done any of the things I needed to do. But this time around, everything feels so different and going through an attorney and putting in the steps and doing the work and getting my books in order and just getting my ducks in a row feels really, really freaking good. And so my coaching business is officially launched and it feels surreal and it feels amazing. Um, I'm tonight, actually, I'm teaching my second week of my signature program, Revive. It has been incredible. Me and 10 women are going on this beautiful journey together and we are breaking down the mental health barriers that are popping up as they arise. We are Jackie Chan in them as they come out of the woodworks. Like the more they come out, the more we're like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Um, and it's been it's been incredible just watching these women blossom in this space. I also launched a retreat recently, which you might have heard of. Camp Heart is going to be happening in Colorado, one of my favorite places in the entire world for healing. I think there's something really therapeutic about being in the mountains. And so I did choose to have this retreat kind of central to the mountains so we can get to them easily for some healing and for some other things I want to do. But yeah, yeah. That's what's new in my life, you guys. That's what's new in my world. Um, not much has been going on. A lot of healing, as I discussed in a few... Uh, how do I say this? As I discussed a few episodes before this one, I recently had my tubes removed, so I'm still kind of going through the recovery process with that. But overall, feeling really, really good, feeling back on my feet, and just feeling inspired and ready to kick off 2023 in the best way that I can. And so getting my LLC license and just taking the big step to starting like a business bank account and like separate books to keep my finances separate has felt so, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like a benchmark for how far I've come. And it's reminding me to keep going because wishing you wellness, you guys was born January of 2022. Wishing you wellness is a 2022 baby. Okay. It's a Capricorn also, by the way. (laughs) And like, it's only been a year. We're coming up. We're a week and two days away from its one year birthday, which I'll have to do a special one year anniversary episode for wishing you wellness. Maybe I'll have like a fun guest or something. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy that in a year I've gone from using this podcast as my sobriety super hack and like a place to go when I'm feeling emotional and a place to go when I need to get out my feelings to now what it is, a platform that helps a thousand listeners, a thousand freaking listeners just come home to themselves and forgive themselves and heal and feel less alone. And 
every single time I get a DM, you guys, I literally sit there with my hand on my heart and I receive it. And I know that sounds cliche and cheesy and you're like, no, you don't. Yes, I do. I started this habit recently of just like sitting with each message I get and letting it fully wash over me because there was a while there where I was just getting an influx of messages and I was just kind of like responding really quick and like, hey, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Glad this resonated. But then I stopped and I was like, Allison, you're doing this work because you want to impact people and people are reaching out to you and they're saying, hey, you impacted me. Sit with that for a minute. Sit with what that feels like and like, I don't know, because there's obviously days that are good and that are bad, right? And so I've had the thought multiple times in the past year, like, I'm just going to quit, right? I'm just going to quit on my podcast. I'm going to quit on my coaching dreams. I'm going to walk away. It's too hard. Or the imposter syndrome thing. I'm not enough. I'm not enough, right? But I am enough. And I keep fighting that voice off. And I'm like, nope, nope. I'm here to stay and play and getting my LLC and investing so much in the future of my business was my way of saying to the universe, you know what? I'm fucking all in. I'm all in. No matter where this goes, whether it's a huge success or a huge failure, I'm here to learn. I'm here to play. And yeah, I'm ready to step up to the plate in 2023. How about you guys? How are we feeling with the new year? That is kind of rhetorical. But also, if you want to pop in my DMs and tell me, I would love that also. How are we feeling? 2023 is finally here. 2022 was a beautiful one also felt like a long one in some ways, (laughs) like just the amount of things that we worked through. It felt like as a collective, 2022 was about opening our eyes and 2023 is about like just radical action and radical forward momentum. And so I'm so excited to head into this new year with you guys and to have you here with me. Okay, so you guys, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about something that I've talked about in the past, but it's something that I felt like I didn't get to go in depth enough on and I wanted to circle back to. And I've also been getting a lot of messages about it recently. And so it's feeling very much like something that I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, And it's also something that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I want to be transparent with you guys. I get a little nervous with this conversation because let's just start the conversation this way. I feel like bipolar has been normalized enough in the media to where I can walk into a room of people and be like, yes, I live with bipolar disorder and I feel okay. And I feel confident. And, you know, even though there are going to be people who raise eyebrows and are like, whoa, first of all, why would she admit that? Second of all, she must be loco. Like I know there's always going to be people that don't understand mental health and have that reaction, but I feel like bipolar has been normalized to the point where I'm at least safe to say that without people like assuming I'm a monster. And obviously there's still going to be people who do, right? This is the world. There's all kinds of people with all kinds of mindsets, but I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's because I've had the diagnosis longer, but I'm very comfortable with owning up to the fact that I live with bipolar disorder. Now, I am also recovering from something called borderline personality disorder. This one has been a hard one to come to terms with, right? Because BPD has been portrayed in the media in one of two ways, right? They either make us the super villain of the story, like the crazy, unhinged, dangerous person, or the victim, the crying, sobbing mess. And my intention for this episode is to help neutralize the idea of borderline personality disorder because it is ultimately a trauma response. And people develop this specific personality disorder as a coping skill and as a way to cope with intense emotions that they don't know how to regulate by themselves. And so just a little bit on BPD, if you don't know, borderline personality disorder is a 
it's a mood disorder. No, it's not a mood disorder. My bad. It's a personality disorder. And basically, how do I word this? I can never figure out how to word things correctly. Okay. So basically, borderline personality disorder can be attributed to these nine symptoms. And I don't know them all off the top of my head, but I know that the main ones are an unclear image of yourself, like a very unstable sense of self, impulsive, self-destructive behaviors, um, fear of abandonment, like extreme fear of abandonment, unstable, quick changing relationships, um, chronic feelings of emptiness and like nothing's there, emotional mood swings, um, self-harm can be a big thing. So these are kind of like the qualifying traits for somebody to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Now it goes a lot deeper than this, right? Because all of us can experience things like emotional mood swings, unstable relationships. And so we can't always chalk it up to BPD that easy. BPD is actually a very hard diagnosis to have nailed down. Um, but typically someone who lives with borderline has actually been through a great amount of trauma and how they've coped with that trauma is through very maladaptive coping skills, very unhealthy coping skills. And a lot of these manifest into what we know as borderline personality disorder. Now, borderline personality disorder is not talked about that openly, right? And so I, like many people, feel nervous at first when disclosing that it's something I'm recovering from because I'm terrified that people are going to be like, villain or victim. And it's like, no, human, human person in recovery, human being, human sentient, like no different than you. And it's a hard line to walk because the thing is, when it comes to borderline personality disorder, we want to push for recovery. That is the goal. It's not something like bipolar that you're born with and you die with. You can actually, you can't fully heal per se from it. You can't fully, fully recover, but your symptoms can go away and your relationships can stabilize and your sense of self can improve. And like, you can basically go into remission and basically not notice the symptoms, but it takes a lot a lot, a lot, a lot of trauma-informed research. It takes a lot of time. DBT therapy, dialectal behavioral therapy has been game-changing for me, you guys. Game-changing. I remember two years ago, I was in a space where if a friend walked out on me and I like lost a friendship, I would chase them down, kicking and screaming. I would beg, I would plead, I would threaten to hurt myself. I would do anything to avoid abandonment, even if that meant showing up as a toxic person. Me today, two years later, two years of DBT, two years of like self-reflection and self-awareness, I just had a friend walk out a few weeks ago and it's been really hard and really painful. And you know, I don't wanna get into the details because that's between me and them, but like I have coped with it, you guys, in a way that I am so fucking proud of myself for. I did not chase them down, I did not, kick and scream. I did not beg them to stay. I accepted it for what it was. The conclusion to a friendship that I really, really loved. And, you know, this isn't an easy thing to do for somebody living with borderline personality disorder because we have these wounds as people recovering from this condition. We have these wounds of abandonment where we literally think we're going to die when somebody walks out on us. Or we literally think that we're going to die when we get broken up with. I've heard it compared like a person with borderline personality disorder can experience a breakup the same way that other people, I don't want to say normal people, I hate that, I hate that kind of phrasing, other people would be completely fine with and they would like, they'd be sad, they'd be like, oh, you know, that breakup sucked, whatever. 
a person with borderline personality disorder is more likely to self-harm, to self-injure, to take their own life. Like there's a lot of risks associated with this personality disorder. And that's why it's so important that we end the stigma so we can spread awareness, like advocate for people with this condition and just like neutralize the story because it doesn't serve someone with borderline personality disorder to be the victim or the villain, right? Because like who wants to heal when they're being pointed at and laughed at and called crazy? But then also who is going to heal when they're being coddled and held like a baby? Nobody, right? And so that's why neutralizing this conversation, neutralizing the idea of having borderline personality disorder is really important. And seeing it for what it truly is, a maladaptive trauma response and condition. And honestly, you guys, it's your brain doing what it felt it had to do to survive. And so if you're listening right now and you have BPD or you think you have BPD, I want you to know something. You are not crazy, okay? You are not crazy. I don't care what you have done. Crazy is a word that is used to keep the mental health world from like getting the help that it needs and getting the like, what's the word I'm looking for? Getting the traction that it needs to become a seriously like adapted thing. And I almost feel like it's the lack of knowledge about the disorder and the lack of understanding around the disorder that causes this. Because when people don't understand why a person is doing what they're doing, it can come across as evil. And to be transparent, you guys, there are people who are malicious out there, right? And sometimes they're going to have personalities disorders, personality disorders, and that's going to be a coincidence. That person is not evil because they have a personality disorder. That person happens to have malicious intent and also a personality disorder. But we've got to get rid of this association that just because somebody has a personality disorder makes them an abuser because that's not always the case. And a lot of people with personality disorders are on a healing journey and have come to the self-awareness and are ready to get help so they can show up better for themselves and the people around them. And you know, one thing is, I will say when I got my bipolar diagnosis, a lot of people were like naming off these celebrities to make me feel better, right? Like Sylvia Platch, they're throwing out Van Gogh, like they're throwing out whatever they can and they're just trying to make you feel better, right? There's not a lot of celebrities who are open about their borderline personality disorder. And I got on Google before this recording because I wanted to know what happens when you type in celebrities with BPD. And guess what showed up? Six fucking pages of Amber Heard. And the thing is, you guys, I have no stance on what happened with her and Johnny Depp. You want to know why? Because I was not there. And so I don't know. And so if she was the abuser, okay, she deserves to rot in hell. If he was the abuser, okay, like... You know what I mean? And I shouldn't say rotten hell because that's very aggressive and rude. But like whoever the abuser is, is the one who deserves to live with the consequences of the abuse. Abuse can never, ever be justified. I want to make that abundantly clear. We never, ever justify or stands abuse here. I ain't a thing. But the fact that when I pulled up borderline personality disorder, it only showed me the one controversial, or the, the one controversial person in the media, the person who is very, very demonized in the public eyes, right? Like we hear Amber Heard and we're like, oh God, like she was evil. She was evil, evil, evil. And again, I did not do a lot of research. Maybe she is evil, 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 but I don't know. And I also don't care, right? Because celebrity drama doesn't interest me really. But 
like that's the first thing that is popping up and that's the first thing that people are going to associate it with, right? Like you look it up and it's like, okay, this woman who is publicly on trial for being abusive is the first association that we make with the disorder. And I don't know, I saw that and I was just kind of like, huh, that's very interesting. And when the trials were first going on with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like I was feeling myself getting very emotional because I was just hearing a lot of people be like, oh yeah, well it's because she's a borderline. She's borderline and that's why this is happening. And here's the thing, you guys, plenty of people are abusive assholes that don't have a personality disorder, okay? Plenty of people are just dicks. And so for us to take a disorder and kind of just like place it in a box and place everybody with that disorder along with it in the box isn't fair. And so I did a little bit more scrolling down and I was like, okay, okay. And then I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Some actual people. And so I was like, okay, Pete Davidson has borderline personality disorder. I would have never guessed that. Sinead O'Connor. Okay, that one I would have guessed, but only because the song Drink Before the War is so good and such a good, like, crying your eyes out song. It's like, there's no way somebody <laughs> with a super, super, like, emotionally regulated life could come up with a song that deep and that powerful and that, like, who I get chills thinking about that song. If you haven't heard it, Drink Before the War by Sinead O'Connor is really, really good. Um, I heard it for the first time on Euphoria and was like, damn, this is one of those cry your eyes out songs. I'm here for this. <laughs> I scroll down just a little further and I'm seeing like Amy Winehouse, Jim Carrey, Britney Spears. And again, I don't know how credible these sites are. I'm literally reading off of Google, but like it's more prominent than people realize. Pink. I know Pink is a big one because of her song, Please Don't Leave Me. Like, I remember hearing that as a young girl and being like, whoa, like, this song really resonates with me. I wonder why. And then, like, years and years later, I listened back to the song now that I have my diagnosis. And I was like, whoa, she is describing the process of being left as somebody with borderline personality disorder that, like, I love you. I hate you. Please don't leave me. Get the fuck out. That back and forth, that's that phenomenon that I was referring to referring to, oh my gosh, I cannot speak today, referring to earlier, splitting, going back and forth between idolizing somebody and then devaluing them and then idolizing them and devaluing them. And something that I really want to give myself credit for, because you guys, I bring my shit to the table and air out my dirty laundry every week on this podcast. I am allowed to praise myself too. And I'm mostly saying that to myself. You guys are probably like, we weren't going to cut you off, babe. I'm saying that to my ego right now. I'm allowed to praise my wins too. I am so open about my losses and I want to be as open about my wins um, without feeling like I'm bragging or anything like that. And so I am fucking proud of the way that I have learned to handle my splitting because I still have the thoughts. I still have thoughts of like, oh, that person did something super small I'm so angry, I'm so resentful. But now I don't do anything with that. I take those thoughts and I go journal about them or I go talk to my therapist and then we move on with life. But I don't go tell the person like, hey, I had this like passing thought really quick that I was like so angry that like maybe we could like never be friends again because of it. No, because I literally feel the thought. I know what it is. I can name it. I work through it and then I'm okay. And it's crazy what trauma-informed therapy has done for my life and I want other people to have access to that too because if I wouldn't have gone through dbt therapy if I wasn't still actively in dbt therapy all of my relationships and my friendships would still be on this spin cycle 
of me just like being super, super tight with somebody and then jumping ship and abandoning and then being super, super tight with somebody, getting a new friend group and then bouncing. Like this is the first full year of my life where my connections have been stable outside of the one friend that I recently lost. I have had all stable connections with everybody around me like and it has been delicious. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and try to downplay it. It has been so nice to get along with people, to not have the ups and downs in my relationships, to see that a normal friendship, it's kind of like a straight line. Honestly, like it's stable, it's predictable, and that's not a bad thing. You can still have so much fun in a friendship while it's stable. It's actually much more fun to have stable friendships than ones that are like a Ferris wheel. People get on for six months, get off six months later. For a while, that's how all of my friendships and relationships felt. Now it doesn't feel that way anymore. Now I have the same people in my circle looking at me that were of January last year. And I'm like, huh, something's changing. Something's improving. I think I'm changing. I'm starting the process. I'm starting the healing process. That said, I still struggle. Okay, you ready for transparency hour? I still struggle so much. And now my BPD may not show up quite as much in my friendships and relationships and people... When I tell people at work, for example, that I live with borderline personality disorder and that I'm recovering from it, they're like, I would have never guessed. Like you're very, very like calm, very this, very that. For, first of all, when people say that, like, I know they don't mean to be offensive, but like we also have to end that kind of speak because it's, it's kind of just promoting this idea of like, I don't know. When I tell people I have bipolar, I also don't want the response of like, oh, I had no idea. You seem so normal because like, when we say that, we're not saying it, but it's coming across as you are not normal. And I thought you were. You have people tricked into thinking you're normal, but you're not. And again, this is all stigma stuff. Um, this did not happen at my mental health job. Obviously, this happened through my other side hustle. My mental health job, when I talk about it, people are very, very good about using like the right words and stuff like that. And I've been trying to get better about words myself because I think that using just like inclusive and healthy language in the mental health field is important, but we all have to work on it. Like I am owning personally the fact that I fuck up a lot with the words that I use, but I am actively trying to work on it. I'm trying to be someone who says, you know, I live with bipolar disorder. I live with borderline personality disorder. Instead of being like, I'm a borderline. I'm an addict. That's one that I'm really, really bad with is calling myself an addict instead of saying a person recovering from substance abuse or a, or a person who got clean or a person on a recovery journey or something other than just identifying with the darkness because BPD is not a trophy, okay? It's not a shiny metal. It's not a plaque. It's not something we want to take with us to the grave. Those symptoms of BPD are things that we want to heal from and we want to eventually eliminate from our lives and so it doesn't serve me to say I'm borderline I'm borderline and in the past I did that in the past I would blame everything on the, I can't help it I'm borderline and I realized this is not serving me this is not serving the community around me and this is not serving every single person in the world who is living with this condition that I'm living with it's actually doing us a lot of steps backwards and so Changing the vocabulary we use around mental illness in general, I think, is so huge and so crucial. 
and uh, you guys, you guys, you guys, I made the mistake of scrolling down like one more finger's length on my phone. Like I literally took my finger, my nail technically, and ran it down just like a tiny little bit. And the next question that pops up is, which killers have BPD? Which killers? Killers? Like, <laughs> are we really killers? And like, I understand that the whole world wants to like psychoanalyze everything and like, I get it. But the thing is, most of us aren't psychiatrists, right? And so like, we can get our nose out of that. We can get our nose out of that because it doesn't serve people to know that Jeffrey Dahmer had BPD because guess what? Him killing people and eating people had nothing to do with his personality disorder and everything to do with like, I don't even know what, okay? Nobody understands why serial killers kill people and why people would eat people that's beyond the humans the human brain's capacity to process right like we'll never understand that but I think that directly and publicly making that like um what's the word I'm looking for association between serial killers and BPD is very harmful to the BPD community I mean I just saw that and I was kind of like ow like, why are we talking about the killers with it? Like, I've I've never heard that with bipolar. And maybe I just haven't done enough Google searching on bipolar. But yeah, like to see that is very much a good representation of how the media struggles to neutralize borderline personality disorder. Now, with that being said, there is a show on Netflix called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And, you know, people are going to have different opinions on this. And that's fine. And if I am the lone person standing in this opinion, that is totally fine. I think the show did an excellent, excellent job. And I'm only a season and a half in, so maybe I'll come back and say, never mind. But I think it is doing a beautiful job of portraying borderline personality disorder in a real way, in a way that is lighter and funnier. They do like lots of singing and dancing and like there's lots of comedy mixed in. And it's also like neutralizing it because the character has a ton of traits that you love. Like she's so much fun. She's a great lawyer. She loves her heart out. She's very passionate. But then she's also got the things that somebody with borderline personality disorder has like the really unstable sense of self and the shifting relationships and the codependency. And so I love the show and I was very hesitant to give the show a try because I was like crazy ex-girlfriend. Wait a second. I don't like that word choice that's that's sexist terminology and then literally like the opening to the show is her being like wait a second that's that's a sexist term like so they're very aware of it and it's very on purpose and intentional that they're calling the show crazy ex-girlfriend because the whole thing is she's working through what she doesn't know at the time is borderline personality disorder and so she basically I don't want to ruin the show for you guys but she moves across the country to be near this guy that she was in love with like 10 20 years ago or something and everybody's like oh my gosh why did you do that crazy ex-girlfriend crazy ex-girlfriend and eventually like you come to the realization okay something's going on here there's a reason why she feels so attached to that person and there's a reason she feels she has to go to extreme lengths to get their validation oftentimes and I really want to emphasize the oftentimes here because it really is just oftentimes this is not an always thing but oftentimes, borderline personality disorder will develop when a child is not receiving the amount of affection and care that they need. And what's so sticky and tricky about that is it's a subjective thing, right? It's such a subjective thing. Like one child may need three, four head kisses and they're good to go. Another child 
may have been born sensitive, like a highly sensitive person and needs a ton of forehead kisses. And maybe they were born into a family that doesn't do kisses. And I know this sounds silly, but I'm trying to make it like light and easy to talk about because it's really hard to talk about how the family plays into borderline personality disorder because you'll have parents being like, well, what did I do? How? There's no way that I caused this. I raised my kid right. I couldn't have caused this. And that could be true. Like you could have nothing to do with it. Maybe it was an early relationship that they had with a partner or maybe it was something that was developed because of a lack of friendship. Like borderline personality disorder can happen to anybody and it can happen at any phase of life and we can develop these symptoms and it's a scale. I like to think of it the way that I think of sexuality. It is not black and white. You have it or you don't have it. There is a scale and I'm learning this as I start to recover and it's like, okay, healed is on the left and all the way off the deep end is on the right, which was where I started with my journey. And every day that you address and take responsibility for these symptoms and for your actions and your words and you just take the steps forward every day is pushing you towards that left side, is pushing you towards feeling good and feeling healthy and feeling safe in your own company. I think that's a huge one. People with borderline personality disorder are known or proven to be more likely to become codependent. And this actually like is a double edged sword. That's not the word I'm looking for. I'm always, I'm always struggling with the analogies. This is like getting hit with a double punch because first of all, being codependent just sucks because it hurts. Like having to rely on people to get your happiness, your dopamine, it just sucks. And second, believe it or not, even though it is common for people with BPD to have like unhealthy relationships and it's their, not their fault, but like their, their end of the deal, right? Like they're the one kind of showing up as toxic or like abusive or whatever it may be. On the other hand, we also, and I shouldn't say we, but like us humans with BPD also fall victim to abuse a lot easier than a again, it's so hard to use these right words, than your average Joe Blow, (laughs) Joe Blow, who doesn't have BPD would because we are very um, naive. Like, I don't want to generalize at all, but it is a proven trait of BPD to be a little bit naive and a little bit too trusting. And we also have that fear of abandonment, right? And that like, we really, really don't want to be left And we really don't like when things come to an end and when people leave our life. And so that can kind of look like people staying in really, really unhealthy relationships or even abusive relationships because they don't want to leave because leaving feels scarier than staying. And so I want to make it known that like this duality is so, so important to understand with BPD. Yes, people with BPD can be abusive. Yes, people with BPD can be abused sometimes more easily than people without BPD. All of this exists, right? So how do we neutralize it? How do we neutralize such a loaded topic? Because this topic brings forward so many emotions for people. I feel like when I talk about BPD, people tend to get a little bit uncomfortable. And I usually attribute that to, they must have had a traumatic experience with somebody in their life who either is diagnosed BPD or they believe is BPD. And so if you're sitting here listening and you're like, yep, I had a hell of a time and this person was on one and they definitely like put me through it. 
they could have had BPD. I'm not saying they didn't. There's a good chance, right? But they're also somebody who at the time wasn't interested in healing and changing. And there are so many of us, you guys, who do want to change and who do want to be better and who are taking the steps forward. And I also want to point out that like, just because someone hasn't turned that corner yet doesn't mean they won't. Okay. I was 22, almost 23, when I finally looked myself in the mirror and was like, okay, you are not just bipolar. Something else is going on here. You have a personality disorder. You lash out all the time. You are chronically moving across the country to run away from breakups. Something is going on. Let's get inside this head of ours. And so after 10 years of therapy, I finally had an official full psyche valve and workup. And like I had a few, but never like the full, full workup. And that's when they were like, hey, so you were definitely on this. You're in the, I think it's called like the BSM or something like the book that they have. The DSM, the BSM. I feel like I should know this as a crisis worker, but it's not coming to me. Whatever it is, in that book, you're you're showing all the symptoms for borderline. And I was like, oh. And for like a whole year, I was like, I hate myself. I hate myself because people with borderline are monsters and people with borderline and this or people are this. And I just hated myself for like almost a year after finding out and just like threw myself so much shit and so much hate. And then I realized something. How the fuck are you going to hate yourself into a better relationship with yourself and those around you? How are you going to do that? How are you going to take a bunch of negativity and toxicity and turn that into love and happiness? You aren't. So put it down, right? I know it's very, very hard, especially with the stigma that has built up around personality disorders, but understanding and realizing that at the end of the day, these are just hurt humans and these are just people who had maladaptive responses. It's a really, really good page to turn in your mind. And The thing is, I don't want to minimize anybody's trauma. And if you have been through trauma and the person had borderline personality disorder, I just want to validate you. And your feelings are very, very real. And to be honest, you guys, I am sure that during the peak of my BPD, and it was coincidentally aligned with the peak of my addiction, I am sure that I traumatized somebody in some way because of my explosive outburst, because of the way that I would leave a friendship the second something went wrong, because of the way that... You know, I didn't recognize the feelings of people around me because I was so consumed by my own. And so like I stand radically responsible and like in my radical honesty and responsibility with that. And yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that thought. Still on the duality thing, I guess. Like understanding that yes, you can have a bad experience with somebody who had borderline personality disorder, but you've got to be able to separate the disorder from the human. And you've got to be able to separate the human from other humans because not every single person who's depressed is the exact same, right? Right? I think we can all agree on that. Okay. So what about people with BPD? Can we agree they're also not all the same? This is a harder one for us to come to terms with, but it's important because I would have never gotten the help that I needed had BPD not been normalized to me. I, had an, I have an incredible therapist whose name I won't drop because I'm respecting his privacy, but he normalized BPD to me the first time that we met and not normalized as in was like, yep, this is it. Stay on your track. Like, no, not at all. He was like, yeah, Allison, a lot of people, especially in your age range, are coming to terms with their diagnosis and it's explaining why all of these years 
they felt things so much deeper than the people around them. And they struggled so much to let go of things. And they just like had these reactions they couldn't explain and these turbulent relationships that they couldn't navigate. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I'm not alone in this. There's other people experiencing this. And he's like, absolutely all over the world in real time right now. But that doesn't mean that we can't do something about it. And that doesn't mean we can't get you the help you need so that you can be a healthier version of yourself and so that you can have those healthier relationships, not just for your benefit, but for those around you. Because the people around you deserve a healed you and you deserve a healed you. And so, yeah, I just want to make it abundantly clear with this statement. If you're listening and you're like, I think I might have BPD, I think I might have BPD. Guess what? You're not alone, okay? This is me, Allison, the girl who goes to raves and loves to dance and loves to do stand-up comedy as of recent. Eh, it's been fun. Uh, there's a YouTube video, I'll link you guys. Um, <laughs> girl who loves to travel the world, girl who is seen and generally known as the life of the party, the fun one, the outgoing one, and I'm living with borderline and I'm recovering from it. And like, I'm just trying to normalize this and neutralize this in your guys' mind. Like this disorder is not an identifier, okay? It's not like, oh, that person has borderline. Okay, that person's crazy. Next, no, no, no. That is actually what we are trying to undo, that narrative. And the word crazy, we need to get rid of the word crazy, I think. Like that was a crazy fun party. Yeah, that's fine. But like calling people crazy, I don't think it's ever okay. Like if somebody is being abusive, say they're being abusive. If somebody is being manipulative, say they're being manipulative. Find words. We're all intelligent enough. I know we are. Find words that don't add to a stigma that is already super, super fucking heavy and hard to live through. Okay? Because there are so many people out there who have symptoms of BPD but are terrified to see a psychiatrist or a counselor because they don't want to get the diagnosis. I literally had a caller recently on the crisis intervention hotline that was like, I think I have borderline personality disorder, but I'm terrified to go to the doctor and find out like, what if I do? And I literally were allowed to self-disclose as long as it's warranted. I was like, listen, I'm recovering from this condition. And I had the same feelings of like, oh, I can't go to the doctor, but guess what? Whether or not you go to the doctor, you're still gonna have it. Okay, it's like an STD. You can pretend it's not there if you want, if that makes you feel better, but guess what? You're still gonna have it, okay? And I'm sorry if I called anybody out there. I was not intentionally calling anybody out, but this is, this is the reality, right? Things don't go away because we ignore them. If that's how life worked, you guys, we'd all just be sat here like looking away from war and then it ends, like looking away from poverty and it ends, like, but that's obviously not the case because we still have war. We still have poverty. We still have so much injustice in this world. So obviously the turn a blind eye thing is not working for us. And so why don't we try something new? Hmm? And this is kind of switching topics really quick on us. But I think that another thing that's really important to add to this conversation about BPD is the importance of boundaries. And someone who lives with BPD is inherently going to struggle a little bit with boundaries because boundaries to somebody who is unfamiliar with boundaries can feel a lot like abandonment, right? Like when we're used to unhealthy, toxic relationships where the deal is like we scream at each other until we fall asleep and that's how we do it. Like we don't walk away for a breath. That's not how we do it. We go until we're done. Like we're used to that. 
and we're in a fight with like our new partner and our new partner is like, hey, this is getting kind of heated. Why don't I just step outside and we'll talk in 10 minutes? That can feel like, holy shit, they're leaving me. They're leaving me, especially to someone who's living with BPD. And so boundaries are very, very important to have, whether you love somebody with BPD or you are somebody with BPD. But the thing is, somebody living with BPD is going to struggle at first to receive those boundaries and they may even take it offensive offensively or poorly if you do try to set boundaries but if you're listening to this and you love somebody with borderline personality disorder and you feel like you're not safe to set boundaries this is your reminder that you are and their reaction to your boundary is not your responsibility and again I am on this podcast advocating for my fellow humans living through BPD but I'm also advocating for those who love someone with BPD because my parents are a prime example of like people who have like my mom especially has loved me through it and has like seen what it has done in my life and has seen how it's brought me to my knees over and over again and those boundaries that we have like set within our family have been so 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 crucial and I think that those have to happen in all of your relationships and the thing is like boundaries should exist whether we have a personality disorder or not like we should just have boundaries full stop like we just like we should all have boundaries but we're collectively as a whole I think coming into the knowledge finally that boundaries aren't meant to keep our walls up and to keep others out they're actually meant to protect us as well as the other people and foster and kind of flourish these relationships that are safe spaces and that we can truly show up in as our authentic selves and so if you love somebody who is living with bipolar or not bipolar borderline personality disorder and you feel like you are walking on eggshells all the time that's not fair to you. And I want you to know that. And I have been that person who has made people scared to speak. And that's not an okay role to play, right? That's when we start stepping into our villain and not in the good way, like not in the cute little like, ooh, in my villain era. No, like actually like being the bad guy in people's stories. And I've been the bad guy in many people's stories before I got help and before I started healing because I was so unaware of myself. Like, I think the most tricky part of understanding BPD is understanding that that unstable sense of self manifests in more ways than just not liking yourself. It manifests in the way that like sometimes you don't even recognize like the consequences of your action because you're so zoomed in. It's like it's like a puzzle. You're zoomed in on those two little pieces and you're shoving them together trying to make them fit. And if you would just zoom out, you would see you're on the wrong side of the damn puzzle, but you can't zoom out because you're dysregulated and you're freaking out and your body's in fight or flight mode and you've been triggered. We hear the word triggered and I feel like it has a negative connotation. Like, oh, she was so triggered. She started blah, blah, blah. A trigger is just something that sets off a reaction within you and prompts some sort of response out of you. Okay. And so a trigger can be as simple as like something that somebody says or a place or a person. And people who are living with BPD tend to become triggered or like experience triggers more sensitively and more more often, right? Yeah, yeah. And this can be really, really hard to navigate, especially when it's like family relationships. Like say you're living with a mother who has BPD or a father who has BPD. This can be super hard to navigate because as a child, we're not typically the ones setting the boundaries. Usually mom and dad set the boundaries. We learn from them. We learn how to set the boundaries. Then we go set our own. This isn't always the case. It's not always the case. And so just knowing that you are safe as a human who loves somebody with BPD to set boundaries, even if they don't understand them or respect them, is very important. 
Because a part of, and this is controversial, and so I get it if not everybody resonates with this, but for me, a part of both my BPD journey and my addiction journey was rock bottom. And there is nothing else that could have shook me to the core and woken me up inside and lit a fire under my ass to get better other than rock bottom. Like nothing else could have done that for me. I needed to lose people. And I know how morbid that sounds and I know how depressing that sounds, but it was the loss of so many people consecutively that woke me up and I was like, what is the common theme here? Why are all of these romantic relationships playing out the same cycle? Why are all of my friendships lasting six months and then I find something wrong and I jolt and I just leave the friendship? Like what is going on here? And it really did take me hitting rock bottom and being like, oh fuck, am I the problem? Because rock bottom, you guys, there's a lot of mirrors down there. I imagine rock bottom being like a fun house filled with mirrors where you're finally forced to look at yourself through the eyes that maybe other people have been able to look through for years. And you're able to see like, oh, there are parts of me that are toxic. There are parts of me that need to change. There are parts of me that are damaging others and that's not okay. And I wanna change that. But the first step to change is knowing what the hell is going on in your mind. And I was asked a really awesome question by my friend Christina the other day, and we're actually gonna do an episode on this later, so stay tuned. But she said, Allison, you know, I'm curious if you think it's a positive or negative thing to kind of not associate yourself with, but kind of identify with your diagnosis. She was like, I noticed that like oftentimes you'll use like, I'm bipolar and like I live with this and I live with that. She's like, I'm curious to know your stance on that. And I was like, what a good question. Like, is it more helpful or more harmful to identify with disorders? And I think it's like the fine line thing, right? Like we need a diagnosis in order to know how to treat what's wrong with us because Like I've said before, the difference in treatment plans between BPD and bipolar is, I mean, they're different. They're different treatment plans. Like bipolar in nature tends to always require that medication, whereas BPD, you know, yeah, they might put you on a mood stabilizer. They might put you on an antidepressant to help with the downs and how low you get, but they also might just treat you through DBT therapy. And so it's, you know, it's two very different things. And so having a diagnosis and being able to put a name to something isn't actually identifying yourself as it. It's more like giving yourself a jump off start and like giving yourself a space to start from. Because if you can identify and name what's going on, you can actually create that separation. And like, it doesn't always present that way with me, especially because I'm always like, I'm bipolar and I'm proud and I won't shut up about it. But that's just because I'm like the world's biggest advocate for um, people living bipolar or living normal functioning lives, even though they have bipolar disorder. And yeah, we still fall down. We still have bad days and still gets really dark sometimes, but we can hold jobs. Okay. We can hold relationships. And there's so many stigmas that say otherwise with BPD, especially like that. Oh, someone with BPD cannot be in a healthy relationship. One of the healthiest relationships I know you guys is this girl who has borderline and her boyfriend, and I've known them both for like five or six years, and they've been together for four years, and they are all-stars, you guys. I know that we can only say so much from the outside looking in, but I have watched them have conflict and just go about it in like the best way ever, like so calmly, so not blamey. It's never you, you, you. It's always I felt, and it's possible. And so I don't want this episode to like feel dark and discouraging and like, oh shit, like I'm BPD, I'm fucked. Like, no, you're not fucked. 
you're actually on a very, very good path if you are lucky enough to have your diagnosis or if you're even considering going and getting checked out. And the thing is, like, I love the point that Christina brought up because, like, I don't even think we need necessarily to name what's going on with us, but I think it sure as hell speeds up the recovery process to know what we're treating because then if we know what we're treating, we know what we need to address. And if we can find the root of where everything came from, even freaking better. But sometimes there's no root, right? Sometimes we literally just develop a personality disorder because we went through something that we perceived as very, very traumatic. And now we're, you know, responding out of trauma and maybe coping in maladaptive ways. Oh my gosh, wow. I just looked down and I was like, I've already been recording this long. I feel like I've literally been talking for 10 or 15 minutes. And so I was not expecting to look down and see that I've been talking quite, quite a bit longer than that. But that's okay because this is a really important topic and I think that it's a topic that's not really talked about. And the thing is, if we ignore things, if we try to sweep them under the rug, pretend they don't exist, they will continue to show up louder and louder and louder and more impactfully and more impactfully until we have no choice but to face them. And so the whole point of this episode and what I'm trying to say with all of this is if you need help, Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be so, so scared of getting a diagnosis that you never get help because help actually starts with a diagnosis for a lot of people with disorders. And again, this is a controversial thing. This is a controversial opinion that I have, but I believe that naming my BPD helped me to start healing from it. And it is why I'm in this place now a few years later where my symptoms have gone into remission and where my life has started to stabilize and my sense of self has started to stabilize. Like I used to be like, oh, I love myself. I love myself. And it was very, very fake. It was very much I felt that for like 30 seconds and then the rest of the time I hated myself. Now I have a stable self-love where like even on my bad days, I'm like, okay, it's a bad, bad day. I'm mad at myself, but I still have so much love for Allison. Like that's still my girl that's still my number one I feel deep in my heart love for myself and I didn't have that at the beginning of my BPD journey and so if you are afraid of reaching out of getting help of letting people in just know that there is so much waiting for you on the other side once you're ready to start that journey and you don't have to live in shame it is not something to be ashamed of that you have this disorder or any disorder or condition No matter what your diagnosis is, I'll say this so many times, it does not define you. You are not your diagnosis. You are the way that you laugh. You are the things that you love. You are the way that you light up when you talk about something you're passionate about. You are so many things, but you are not simple enough to confine to this box with just one diagnosis, two diagnoses. That's no, you are so much more than that. You're a human being. And us humans, the thing about us, We're a lot of things, but I think the thing that we are most is complicated and complex. We are so complex. There are so many layers to us guys, like autonomy, autonomy. How do I say this? Like, (laughs) I'm not going to try. I'm going to butcher the word. Our bodies have many layers to them, like skin, but then like spiritually and like mentally, there are so many layers to each individual and so many stories and so many things that we've been through and walked through and carried So yeah, I'm just, I'm sending so much love to you if you're listening to this and you either have BPD, love somebody with BPD, were just curious about BPD and clicked on this episode because you want to educate yourself and learn more. 
no matter who you are, I'm sending you a hug and I'm sending you strength to recognize that you are capable of getting through this. You are capable of coming out the other end and maybe it's not a quick fix. Guess what? Spoiler alert. It's not. It's not a quick fix. And there's a lot of backwards steps in the process. It's like the addiction recovery process. You're going to step backwards a couple times. That's okay. Don't discredit all of the progress you've made because of one slip up, whether that be with your addiction or with your relationships that you're building and your BPD symptoms, no matter what that is. Don't let one bad choice undo, you know, years or months or whatever it is of good ones. And just, yeah, go easy on yourself. Okay. Especially if you're listening and you do have a BPD diagnosis, we are at the center of the media's attention when things happen, like what happened with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And it can make us feel so much like we're under a microscope and like people are just taking and like looking so close and trying to find these little things that align so that they can throw a diagnosis on it and make sense of it all. And then put us on an online list of compiled serial killers, apparently. That shit was crazy. I cannot believe that that happened on Google. I need to contact Google and be like, fix your shit. That is like not helping. (laughs) That is not helping the cause at all. But yeah, I think that's basically all I wanted to say for today. But I also want to open the floor for questions. And so please hop in my DMs if something resonated, if something made sense, if something didn't make sense, if something clicked for you, if you were like, I hated that opinion, like no matter what it is, come to me. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation because that's what my podcast is all about. It's about breaking down the awkwardness and the weirdness and the walls around mental health conversation and recognizing it's no different than physical health. It affects every aspect of our life. It is a huge part of us and it's inevitable. We all have mental health just like we all have physical health and we all have to care for our mental health and we just like we do our physical health. And just like physical health, there's a scale, right? There's levels. There's people who are very physically healthy. There are people who are very physically unhealthy. Same thing with mental state. It's a sliding scale. But the way for people to get better is for people to have access to help. And the way for people to have access to help is advocacy, is talking about it, is normalizing, is being loud about it. All of these things will help us with our mission. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. This has been a really, really powerful one for me, at least. I feel like a lot of things coming through and I'm like, wow, whoa. Like I didn't even realize like, I had that thought process or like I had such a strong stance on that. And so it's always such a blast coming on and recording because things come through and I'm like, huh, who knew? (laughs) I never like super plan out my episodes. They're always very just like when I feel like working, I'm very feminine flow when it comes to my work. Like I may put on a masculine shell of like grind, hustle, go, go, go. But that is not who I am at the core. And I love the feminine flow and I love to just like record when it feels good and not record when it doesn't feel good and not force things in my work. And so, yeah, I just felt inspired today to talk about this particular topic. But if you guys have any more topics that you'd like me to cover, please hop into my inbox on Instagram. I'm always looking for new episode requests. If it feels aligned with the podcast mission, I will almost always toss it on my lineup. I have done like 15 plus episode requests at this point and I want to do more. So hop in my DMs. Let me know what you're struggling with mentally. Let me know where you need some support and some love and I will give that to you. Thank you guys so much for being here and for showing support. Just a reminder, if you have not checked out my new website, head on over to xoxoallisoncoaching.com. There you can find access to all of my free masterclasses and workshops Um, There's two of those and then I have 
Revive, which is going to be available as a full course here soon. Once we complete the first round, I'll be selling it as a recorded session for anybody who wants to get in on that. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And I also just announced my February free workshop. So keep up on Instagram to keep up with all that kind of stuff. That's at wishyouwell.podcast. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for being here and for creating a space where I feel like I can show up authentically and share these parts of my life with you and have you guys share yours with me because I'm telling you every episode I get these messages and people are just like, I know what you mean. Like I feel you. And it's so validating, not just for you guys, but also for me to know that my message is not just falling into the void and it's actually like reaching hearts and changing lives. Oh God, I I feel narcissistic when I say that, but no, I mean, I want to be able to stand in my truth. It is changing lives. And I know that because I've been told that. And that was a hard thing for me to accept at first because something that comes along with BPD is like this regret period and the shame period where you're just like, oh my gosh, that was me. Oh, covers eyes. Oh God, I can't believe I did that. Guess what? It's the past. It's behind you now. And if you are somebody who is still living in the past, I want you to know you are free. You are free. And you still have to live up to the consequences of your actions from the past, but you don't have to stay in the past. You can come to the future to process to live with those emotions, to overcome. Yeah, I'm getting long-winded. That's how you know I'm almost done with an episode. I keep trying to talk. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in, though. If you love this episode, give it a share on your story. Tag me at wishyouall.podcast or leave us a rating and review on Spotify and Apple because this helps us grow and reach more beautiful souls like yours. This has been so real, you guys. This has been honest. This has been vulnerable. This has been raw. This has been... Wishing you wellness.